welcome to the Lost Boys That Found Fathers podcast. I'm Gabe O'Sullivan, and joining me is my co-host, Will Haycox. We are men who have suffered the loss of a child, and through this production, we desire to offer encouragement, strength, and hope to our fellow brothers who have traveled the same journey. And today, we want to welcome Pastor Ashton Emerson, one of the lead pastors at Church at the Mill. And so I am going to turn it over to Will, and he'll introduce us a little bit more to Pastor Ashton. Yeah, guys. Uh, thanks for joining us. I think this is episode 30, Gabe, so we can take five seconds and celebrate that. Yay. Uh, we're glad to still be here. Um, glad you're listening. Yeah, so we've been trying to get up with uh, Ashton, or at least I've been trying to get up with Ashton for like six, eight months. Somewhere probably, there, yeah. Probably something like that. And um, mostly I just dropped the ball. Um, just uh, didn't coordinate that well. Um, didn't sit down and write our notes for this meeting so uh, yeah you can blame me for that but I'm excited to have a few moments to sit down with him and just to have him share some of the things he's learned with us uh, he's the head of the biblical counseling ministry here at Church at the Mill and so I think that's going to be helpful uh, we're going to kind of cover a wide range of topics here and uh, Ashton I want to give you just a second to introduce yourself and your family before we got into it Sure, I think appreciate you guys having me on here today, shortly before someone getting comes and gets us all. So we're able to squeeze that in. <laughs> so like you said, yeah, my name is Ashton Emerson. I am the uh, pastor of adult ministries here at Church at the Mill, which basically means I kind of oversee all of the adult ministries of our church. And God has blessed uh, our church with a wonderful team that ter- that serves alongside of me. Kind of my unique contribution to the overall team and to the church is a biblical counseling ministry that we started kind of quietly about almost probably five years ago when we first started talking about that. Um, give me 30 seconds to kind of give you the short version of uh, how that came to be. We were seeing a huge influx of people coming to us uh, with all kinds uh, of different problems, maybe marital issues, individual issues, things that probably people would uh, mark as probably mental health issues. People were saying words like depression and anxiety uh, this type of thing. And honestly, it was new to us. Previously to that, there was just a lot of, you know, go check on people in the hospital and make sure small groups bring casseroles to the herding and just encouragement. Um, but we saw a shift significantly. And I think you can see that overall in our culture uh, of the church is having to uh, prepare itself and answer hard questions um, when people come to us um, with these really heavy, really difficult uh, situations and things that they're dealing with as to whether you know we should take care of them, can we take care of them, uh, to what degree do we really believe the sufficiency of Scripture can speak into a person's life uh, with whatever problem or situation they're dealing with. So we as a church and the staff and primarily me kind of wrestled through that and knew that we wanted to take care of very, very well the people that God has entrusted to us. And so I began trying to think about how do we do that? How do I personally get better at that? And through God's sovereignty, he uh, aligned us with a organization called ACBC. Don't get that confused with the band. That's ACDC. That's a totally different podcast. (laughs) But ACBC, that's the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. And uh, they were really for us uh, exactly what we were looking for. They were able to uh, sharpen my skills in counseling and care and the ability to use God's word and help people um, walk through the difficult times that they're going through. 
and uh, also we're able to leverage them to empower some of our lay leaders. So what was uh, what came out of that was not just uh, you know the professionals and not just uh, everybody with REV or DR in front of their name was the ones who were coming alongside of people, but it was really our our church body. We equipped the saints for the work of the mm-hmm. ministry to come alongside of them and, uh, and go through a pretty rigorous uh, training process. It'll take you every bit of two years, maybe three years, depending on how mm-hmm. fast you can get through it uh, to get this certification. And uh, we have seen over the last few years just an explosion of uh, people interested and passionate about this. Um, it's become kind of a common thing uh, at our church, uh, even among our staff, to know that this ministry exists. Uh, we're able to take care of a number of our staff members. Um, more and more church members are coming to us. We are right at, if not already, at a waiting list uh, for folks that we're able to take care of, which I hate in one sense because I want to take care of everybody. But in another sense, it's, it's almost encouraging because there's that confidence in our ministry that people are actually coming to see us and saying, i got real mm-hmm. problems and I'm suffering and this is hurting and this is going on in me or our family. Can you help? Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where we are right now. We're uh, kind of a dual mission. We want to do a better job of taking care of the people God has given us, position ourselves to be able to take care of more of people. And that's kind of our second uh, part of our mission is to equip and train those who are interested in doing this. And so that's kind of what our biblical counseling ministry does here at this church. That's really cool. I think that's something, I don't know, I guess, Gabe, you've been around since before the biblical counseling ministry existed, but I don't think I have. and so I think that's a really wonderful way for the Church of the Mill to go above and beyond to address the needs that people have. And again, I don't really know because I'm, I'm not up on like the latest psychology and all that stuff uh, or psychiatry. But um, I imagine there's a lot of quote unquote help out there for people who are hurting that's secular that may or may not actually be helpful and, a, and true biblically uh, so I think it's really neat not that some of that isn't necessary I know you're not you're not out here treating medical conditions but mm-hmm. I, I think it's wonderful that we have a biblical counseling ministry to steer people towards God in the midst of their grief yeah um, you know God has God has equipped us as uh, beings who um, have two parts to us we're both physical and then non-physical material and immaterial and oftentimes we're I think we're a little short-sighted in our care of people that we think everything must have a physical causality um, and scripture doesn't necessarily always point the finger towards that that it truly could be a soul issue a heart issue as the root cause of why things are happening, why we're experiencing, why we're thinking what we're thinking, why we're feeling what we're feeling, and oftentimes why we're doing uh, what we're doing. Not that things that go on in our inner man can't affect the outer man. That's absolutely true. But when you think about causality or root, um, the Bible has some pretty specific strong language to say give strong consideration to your soul and, uh, and to your heart. Uh, before you automatically point the finger to something that may be physical. So mm. we uh, we walk that line a lot of trying to figure out, you know, is this something physical? Is this something more heart-related? Um, and just try and care for people very well. Mm. That's great. Uh, so I think uh, one of us was late this morning. Uh, may have been me. Uh, yeah, so, pointing fingers. Uh, yeah, uh, I'll point fingers at myself. So I think we should jump right into it. Uh, appreciate, again, your time. Absolutely. And being here. Um, I think the first thing that, that popped into my mind, I just threw a whole bunch of questions at you, Ashton, and uh, I don't think we'll have time to get through all of them, but we'll just kind of jump around here. So the first one, I guess, as coming from 
you're a senior pastor at the Church of the Mill, you've been to seminary, you are now heading up the biblical counseling ministry. What are some helpful general tips for how to grieve well slash in a healthy way mm-hmm. that you could provide to, to men, to women, to anybody? Yeah. So um, I think one of the first things people need to recognize is that when we grieve, that's not a sin. That's not something that God looks at when difficult things happen uh, with judgmental eyes or spirit that would automatically assume that you're not trusting me or you're not walking with me. That's just simply not 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 the case. Um, we see evidence in Scripture where God the Father and also God the Son experienced sorrow, experienced loss, uh, wept even. And so, on those you know biblical basis alone, I would say to feel sorrow, to feel grief, to have the emotion of sadness, in and of itself. Is not is not a sin. Like it doesn't even necessarily come come close to it. I think you have to be very careful with that emotion. Like most things, uh, sorrow and grief uh, are what I would call a, a neutral emotion. I mean, as it sits, it's not it's not good. It's not bad. It just is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's non sinful. Just it's neutral. But those emotions have a tendency to either gravitate towards loving responses, loving thoughts, God glorifying thoughts, God glorifying emotions, God glorifying actions. Or they can gravitate towards very unloving ones, very selfish ones, sometimes very, very sinful ones. And so you have to be careful um, when you're when you're going through through grief to pay attention um, to those, but to not go off into philosophical land too too much. But to go back to the core of your question, I think a couple of things you need to be uh, be mindful of is just to I would say acknowledge. Um, the grief that it is there, that it is real. You don't need to be. You don't need to apologize uh, about that. I don't think you need to go to such extremes to try and distract yourself from it, or just stay busy, or push it back, or especially for guys to see it as a place of weakness. Um, I think maybe our culture is maybe shifting a little bit away from that macho man. Men don't cry. Men don't feel feelings. We don't talk about our feelings a little bit. Maybe, maybe not. Um, but absolutely acknowledge that this is difficult. This is hard. Uh, I don't need to walk this alone and just uh, just acknowledge the grief that is there and that is hard and, and that's okay and I don't need to necessarily apologize about that or or feel bad about that. Uh, a couple other things that I think you need to think about um, are acknowledging um, the sovereignty of God in this situation. We don't always understand why God does things or how he's doing things. His ways are not our ways. Um, I cannot see from his vantage point and from his perspective all the moving pieces on earth and throughout history and humanity and in individual people, but he absolutely sees it all at once. He sees it perfectly, and he is working out his beautiful plan in us. Mm. At the same time, um, sin has wreaked havoc uh, on, on that plan, and so... Um, you know, God's in a situation where He chose to allow human beings to uh, to sin. He allowed bad things to happen to the just and to the unjust because I think that maximizes His glory. Um, but He um, He decided to um, 
he decided to allow those things to happen. And we don't always, from where we sit, see exactly what's going on. But I think we have to trust his sovereignty, trust what he has done in our life, what he is doing in our life, and what he's promised to do in the future of his life, that God is ultimately in control. I would say another one is just acknowledge the character of God and that he is good. He is a good, good father. He loves us. He is there for us. Um, I don't think the three of us sitting at this table could ever tell a story where we would say, you know, I was counting on God for this or I was I was faithful to God and he just dropped the ball. Like he didn't show up. He he broke one of his promises to us. Like he just he just that's not the characteristic of God. So just acknowledging and leaning into his goodness, I think, would be uh, another one. I think uh, community is a really big one as well. People need to be able to uh, be around other people. Uh, who can be an extension of the grace and the love and the mercy of Christ um, and just let themselves be be vulnerable and open to care. These are small little things like letting people bring you meals. Let people just sit with you and cry with you. Let people take you out and do something fun and distracting. Um, and just be open to allow the church to allow your community, let your small group, let your friends, let your family care for you uh, during this time. God never intended us and knows that we don't do well in isolation and by ourselves. We tend to gravitate towards, um, honestly, sin when we're by ourselves. We just don't do good alone. And that's why God, I think, uh, created marriage. That's why he created a family. That's why he created church as a community. Because uh, believers, apart from the whole, uh, just don't tend to do well. Um, And then lastly, I would say... um, I would say probably just um, acknowledge the comfort of God as, as well. Um, we read in Scripture that He is the Father of all mercies. He's the God of all comfort. These characteristics exist inside of God. Our understanding about what these words mean are found in the character of God. And so letting Him just be God in our lives and being real and transparent with Him is kind of fake or ritualistic relationship where we pray and just... Um, you know, we just—it's very surface level. I don't know that that's very helpful in a general sense. That's not how we're called mm-hmm. to walk with God or have a relationship with with Him. He wants authentic. He wants genuine. He wants us to bring our junk, our messes, our questions, uh, all that type of stuff, and and welcomes us to bring our grief towards Him. Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, I think that that probably maximizes the glory of God in a very significant way. When we say, "God, I'm hurting, and this is this is too big for me, and I can't handle this, and apart from you, I'm, I'm probably not going to do well with whatever's in front of me. But with you, I trust you. Um, you have been here before. I love, love, love the fact that God sent Jesus to walk in this earth, and Scripture calls him our sympathetic high priest. It doesn't mean that Jesus walked through a one-to-one scenario with everything we possibly could imagine. Mm-hmm. Jesus was never a father. He was never uh, a husband, but he experienced pain, loss, betrayal, hurt, everything else. And so in that, he's able to sympathize us, not from a place of just wisdom, like he's got a big encyclopedia and he can pull out his book of knowledge and read about it real quick and regurgitate information, but from an experiential perspective, God is able to relate to our hurt and to our pain and to our grief. Again, not always one-to-one, uh, but but he can re- relate to that. And so allowing uh, allowing us just to sit in the arms of God and just say, just, just take care of me during this time. Just love me. Mm-hmm. Give me that hope that only you uh, can bring. Um, the fruits of the Spirit are another example. When you think about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control, 
Uh, I'd love to grab so many of those words when somebody is grieving. Like, who doesn't need peace during that time? Who doesn't need joy during that during that time? Um, and those are things that only uh, the Spirit of God can, can offer uh, and bring as well. So uh, I lost count. That's probably off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. A good handful of things that I would probably say, you know, when you're going through the grieving process, keep these things uh, kind of in your mind um, whenever you're going through that. I know one thing that that I struggled with right after we lost our son was like, it's easy to say that I trust God. It's easy to say, you know, I understand his sovereignty. It's easy to say when someone asks how you're doing, are you really getting that conversation? Like, you know, I don't understand his ways and I just have to trust that his plan is better than mine. How do you get there? Mm. How do you really get there and, be- and believe that? Is there daily steps? Is it as simple as read your Bible? Is it, you know, what, how do you get there? Yeah. Yeah, this, it's, it's oftentimes just too easy to kind of assume that we will get there or that um, going to God with our problems is kind of the equivalent of just sprinkling a little Jesus on top of everything and say mm-hmm. a little prayer and everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I think you have to recognize that the human heart, regardless of how mature you are or how long you've been a Christian, um, how well studied and how much theology you know, we all still have a sin nature and we are all susceptible to lies which are going to be is god really good in this situation is god really capable in this situation should you or do you really want to go to god in this situation wouldn't it just be easier because you you don't know what god is at and there's that question of you know would a good god really let something this horrible happen you know can you really trust him if that's if 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 your heart is is whispering those lies to you, mm-hmm. it's 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 longing for anonymity. It's longing for it to be self sufficient, to pull away from God. You can't mm-hmm. trust Him. You can't go to Him. He's not a good good Father. You're on your own in this. You can figure this out. You can buck up and figure it out and be strong and get your way through it and stuff like that. So I think you have to recognize number one that you're. Your, your inner man, your sin nature is going to fight against and try to lie to you and deceive you to run into the arms of God with reckless abandonment, with just arms wide open that says, God, I am yours. Take me and just work this grief process out in me because I'm going to walk with you every step of the way. Where you walk, I walk. Where your foot goes, my foot is going to go both physically, emotionally, uh, thought-wise, and, and everything else. And so you need to know that. And don't, don't let that surprise you if you have some funky, weird, out of left field doubts, thoughts, uh, tinglings, whatever you want to call it about that. And then I think you honestly have to, uh, have to fight. The Bible talks about, um, you know, we'll be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so before you ever have an emotion, before you ever have a, uh, an action or a word, you need to take your thoughts captive. And I wish it was as easy will just one time, just one time, take my thought captives, correct the lies, tell my flesh to be quiet, tell Satan to shut up, and it's all going to be over. But oftentimes it is this fight, this war that's going on inside of me for truth. And you just have to flood your heart with truth and then walk accordingly. So it's, it is that daily practice of, okay, I'm going to be in God's word. I'm not going to stop having my quiet times. Mm-hmm. I may need to find some 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 fight verses, some very specific verses that speak to the truth of God's word that I may schedule some time to read three times a day before I eat breakfast, lunch, or dinner. I'm going to pull out a note card or pull it up on my phone. And I'm going to read these verses and flood my heart and flood my mind with the truth of, uh, of God's word. 
I also could bring other people into this. We talked about community before. Invite other other brothers to uh, to ask you how are you doing? What, you, what what are you thinking about these days? When your mind wanders, uh, does it go to a place of hope? Does it go to a place of encouragement? Or does it go to a more of a darker place, a place that um, you know is trying to push away and resist against uh, against God? And you know, I, again, we we live in such a quick, easy fix world that. It's, it takes effort and it's hard to want to do the hard work and be disciplined to take care of your soul and do soul care in the midst of, uh, of grief. We wish that we could just snap our fingers or take a pill and just feel better. But it's a similar way to, to, to working out. You know, I can't go to the gym one time, do some crunches, and have six-pack abs and enjoy that. Like, it's something that I constantly have to maintain at workout. I have to mindful my, my diet. If I slip for too long, then... It's, it's going to have an effect on that. Our spiritual lives are, are the same way. And God did that by design, that it's not a one and done, but it's a constant um, reliance on Him. I think all Christians have got to cozy up to the fact and just come to grips that we need to be comfortable in our dependence on God. Mm-hmm. That's not a sign of weakness. That's how God determined that this world should work. Mm-hmm. Not that we're not confident what He's called us to and the gifts that He's given us and the truth of His Word, but we should live in a constant state of, I can't do much of anything or anything mm-hmm. without you being involved in that. Because I don't think mm-hmm. we give enough credit to and are we aware enough of just how sneaky and mm-hmm. sly and powerful our our flesh is. Mm-hmm. Um, we really just kind of glaze over that or don't acknowledge that, I think, uh, enough. We don't need to be scared of our flesh. We don't need to walk around as, oh my gosh, I'm about to you know do something horrible because I have this this sinful heart that still wants to rebel against Christ. It's not that level of extreme, but we have to fight back that tendency to want to be autonomous, to want to be an individual, to want what we want apart from the will of God and the truth of God's of God's word. So you have to fight uh, to be able to, uh, to, to do that. Mm-hmm. Also recognize that God is full of grace and mercy. So if we have days where it's just like, man, I just, I, I laid an egg. Like I just, I didn't feel like having my quiet time today. I just, I found it annoying. Uh, maybe you found it just too, too much effort to pull out those verses or to do the spiritual work that day. God doesn't sit up there with a lightning bolt ready to throw it at you and zap you and get you if you fall down and just spiritually you just can't or didn't put it together that day. Um, I'm so thankful that we love a God and serve a God who loves us, whose mercies are made new every single morning, whose forgiveness are are unending, and he recognizes that. And that in and of itself shows our dependence uh, on God. So he would love nothing more than to come alongside of us pick us back up, brush us off, and say, let's keep walking together. And it's that beautiful picture we find in Scripture. It's not a sprint, but it's a walk. It's a day-by-day-by-day walk with Christ, where over time, through kind of normal seasons of life or through seasons that may be categorized more as grief, uh, He is working out our salvation. That doesn't mean we're working towards salvation, like we have to attain it down the road, or we don't have it right now, but if we become mature enough, then we'll have it one day. But if we truly are saved, he's transforming us from the inside out. That over time, over the days, over the good times and the bad times and the neutral times, to have us be conformed in, into his image. So I think I answered your question. Yeah, and I know that something you said there that that resonated with me. I know before I was a Christian, uh, kind of bristled at that thought of dependence on God because you know I thought I'm a man, you know, mm-hmm. I'm strong. 
I don't need anybody, you know, I'm out of my parents' house, I can, I have a job, I can do what I want, you know, feeling like I have to be dependent on anyone else, much less this God that I didn't know that, you know, I, I, ra I was raised with awareness of and knowledge of, but it just, it felt like it made me something less, or, you know, less, obviously less independent, but mm -hmm. less uh, powerful, less capable in my on my own mind to have that sense of turning over my control of my own life and you know my ability to make my own decisions and my own terms but now having been a believer for a few years and and going through losing our child and, and feeling that comfort that you're talking about that the Lord provides you can see how much of a blessing it is mm -hmm. that you don't have to make all those decisions that I thought I wanted full control over sure and and having the lord there like you said to pick you up and and brush you off and start you over again on the path toward him really is the most important truth in my life that, mm -hmm. that i don't have to rely yeah. on myself yeah. i'm gonna one more to that um you know so we talked about you know the wisdom of god the sovereignty of god the goodness of god uh community uh that other type of thing let me add one more that just kind of came to my head as you were talking um there is something about also um, ministry that I think is good for the soul whenever we're experiencing grief. Grief has a tendency sometimes to turn us very inwardly. Um, to take care of yourself uh, is not a selfish thing or a bad thing in the midst of grief, but it's a very slippery slope that you have to be careful of because it can, it can move away from what is appropriate, what is good, what is healthy, what is God-glorifying, to something totally different. We can circle back and explore that that, that more grief can turn into uh, a sinful sorrow. It can turn mm -hmm. into a sinful grief. It can, you know, uh, another word for that would probably be kind of depression, that kind of thing, which is, which is not a place where God would want any of his children to find themselves. Mm -hmm. But it's amazing how you can combat the tendency to gravitate towards selfishness, but, um, but also... Um, grieve well by also taking care of other people too. Mm -hmm. So don't also be the recipient of the calls and the meals and the how are you doings and that type of thing, but but give that also. Like you make a few phone calls. You write a few letters and encouragement to other people who are grieving, who mm -hmm. who are, are hurting. You know, one of the things that you did, I mean, you're, you're, you're an example of that. Gabe's an example uh, of that. You took your experience um, and you wanted to be a good steward of it. And so you put together this podcast. You started talking and meeting with other guys who were going through that. Uh, that is exactly what I think the Lord would want you to do. Even in your grief, you didn't abandon the mission to go and make disciples. Mm -hmm. And I'm thankful that God's not too hyper-focused on either one of those things. Mm -hmm. God doesn't look at us in our grief and say, buck up, you know, step up, it's time to make disciples, you know, people need Jesus, so go. But he also doesn't say, well, just stop that altogether. Just sit and put on your pajamas and open your Bible and just be with me. It, it, it's a both-and situation. Mm -hmm. And when exactly you're supposed to step out and do that, you, know, you need to be led by the Spirit of that. But, but God has both. He's mission-focused, but he's the... He's the gentle, sympathetic high priest, and we really want him to be both of those things. If he goes to either extreme, it's 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 not good, and I honestly think it um, it's an incomplete picture of who of who God is, and that doesn't maximize his his glory. So, um, making disciples, being other focused, um, 
turning your grief around and, and loving other people. You know, First uh, Corinthians talked about that we're going to be so filled up and, and, and comforted uh, with the love of God that we ourselves are going to be able to turn around and do that for other people uh, with the same love, with the same comfort that we've mm-hmm. been given. So if we've been the recipient of love and comfort and grace, let's be a good steward of that, even in the middle of our grace, to love on, care for, check on, have conversations with other people as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did write a couple notes down. So a couple things, you know, that, and you kind of touched on a minute ago, but you, you you mentioned acknowledging your grief and then bring it to God. And I think, you know, and as Will kind of mentioned a second ago too, when he said, when I was on my own, I felt like, hey, I can just live my life the way I want to. Like, I don't need God telling me what to do or giving me directions or instructions. And and I think that as men, we that's a fight for real that we have to that we have to fight because it's like I remember you know going through our initial situation with the girls that I felt guilty for feeling gr- grief hmm. you know like I was like I've got to pull myself up by my bootstraps and get through this thing and then I felt guilty for going to God with it because I felt like I should be able to just get over this myself hmm. and I didn't need to burden God because. My wife needed him more. She was the one that was struggling more. Or there's some, you know, mother and father in, you know, Haiti that's watching their child starve to death. And that's got to be a harder situation, right? So so I was having all these thoughts of like, man, I've got to, you know, be John Wayne and and get through this thing, right? And Mm -hmm. so I think that's important for you to say that. It's okay to acknowledge that grief is a real thing we're going to experience and that's not a sin. Because I definitely felt like like it was a sin. Yep. Um, and then secondly, that we give that over to the Lord and we ask for his help and be okay receiving his help, not thinking that we have to get through this all alone. Um, and I, I definitely felt that way. And I'm sure there's other guys out there that mm-hmm. feel this way as well. Like we feel guilty for feeling vulnerable or for feeling like we can't figure it out or we don't have it all together. And, and so I appreciate you saying that. And then, uh, you know, I, I would say one thing there's up and you mentioned this a minute ago. Pastor Ash, you said that we may have that feeling that God dropped the ball on something, mm-hmm. right? Like in this situation like, that, we're, that we're discussing, the loss of a child, you know, we think, oh man, I, hey, I wasn't that bad of a person, or like, I, why did God do this to me? Like we could get into that kind of quid pro quo thing where where we're like, why did this happen? Is God good? And But again, like you said, we, we have to remember that a, life is not all about us. Mm-hmm. B, God's ways are higher than our ways. Mm-hmm. And we have to just keep those things in perspective, even in the midst of our pain. Mm-hmm. And I know that I had a hard time with that, you know, because I, shoot, I had such a hard time about it. I journaled for years and wrote a book about it, you mm-hmm. know, about can God be trusted? And the, the answer to that is yes. I'm not saying don't go by the book, because you should, and you should read it. But the end of that question is, yes, God can be trusted. Yes, God has your best interest in heart. You may not understand it right now, but you just got to trust him. Just like you don't understand why when you're in math class, your teacher's making you work out these problems on paper that you can type into a calculator and have the answer in, in you know, 0.2 seconds. Um, there's a reason for that, and there's a reason that we just don't understand of why you're going through what you're going through right now. But you have to trust the process and you have to trust the God that created the process and that he is good, that he does have your best interest at heart. Again, like you said, for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. And so just 
trust that and walk the path. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, I just wanted to throw those things out. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, we want to get to the the other major thing, I guess, that I wanted to talk about was um, we talked about what you should do and helpful ways to grieve. And you, you touched on it just a little bit there, but are there some major things that you see in your counseling ministry or just in your, your experience as a pastor that are the pitfalls people get into easily? You talked about retreating into yourself, things like that. And what are some things, whether it's practical steps you can take, uh, whether it's a mindset change, whatever it is, what are some things you see that are unhealthy and hurtful to people that they can try to avoid, be aware of? Yeah, certainly. So let's go back to when I talked about that grief and sorrow is kind of a a neutral emotion. Uh, Certainly non-sinful. We see evidence in Scripture where God the Father and Jesus all experience those. But I also said that those neutral emotions either gravitate towards loving or unloving responses. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have a whole lot of original content, but this illustration is at least original to me. But the Bible talks about be be careful of and don't uh, steer away from grumbling or complaining. Not just because God looks at his people and says, you need to be a happy people who have a good attitude, but because God knows something about the attitude of our heart when we start grumbling and complaining. And I've told counselees that grumbling and complaining tend to be step number one and step number two down into a very dark basement and headed towards a unloving response uh, towards the grief of the situation that, that that's going on. What that tends to show you, that internal dialogue, when it gets quiet, when it gets still, or maybe when you pay attention to what you're saying to other people. Um, Grief is hard. Grief is difficult. I think you absolutely need to talk about how difficult it is, how hard it is. Be open, be transparent about your struggles. But there's a difference between that kind of dialogue versus grumbling and complaining. When you start seeing that in your spirit, it is less about... It's that step one, step two of starting to retreat back away from God just a little bit. And you start to see that inward me focus start to come up. And again, there is, there is, there is being healthy and there's, there's soul care that needs to happen. But then there's also a selfish attitude of your heart that you can have even in the midst of grief that starts questioning the sovereignty of God. And is he a good God? And is he faithful? That will express itself most often in grumbling and complaining. And so be very mindful of your heart when you start grumbling and and complaining and probably the prolongedness of that or how long that goes. I would almost say it would be a little difficult not to have a little bit of a poopy pants, woe is me, that kind of thing, whenever you're going through difficult times. And again, God's grace is good. His forgiveness is there. But if that gets prolonged, if that doesn't get checked, so to speak, if you don't take that thought captive, it is going to take you down a place where you are going to completely turn yourself Mm -hmm. inward. Mm -hmm. And what your heart is ultimately going to want is, I want to feel better again. I want to be happy again. I I want normal. I want what I thought was going to be to happen. I want justice. Um, These types of things. I'm not saying any of those are necessarily in and of themselves sinful, but we have to hold those things with an open hand and say, I don't have to have those things. Uh, I trust God that at times he's, he's, he's always going to give us everything that we need and has already given us everything that we need in order to love God and to love other people. Mm-hmm. But uh, grief and sorrow and loss oftentimes can, can, 
be an amplifier or I don't, I don't love the word trigger, but I'll use that word trigger any, anyways. Um, it, it can start us on a path maybe of starting to look, look more inward at ourselves with a bad attitude, with a, with a what am I not getting and, and, and how is this bad for me kind, kind of attitude. And that will lead towards a whole smorgasbord of different attitudes, different actions, being everything. Everything from being grumpy and moody and short-tempered and having little patience with your family or co-workers or anything else in kind of its mildest form to more extreme forms where in a desperate attempt to try and have comfort or to block out you may choose to go to drugs or alcohol or something else uh, like that in order just to numb yourself in order to make sure that you don't feel these feelings and the hurt doesn't go away or the hard questions that you're answering with don't 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 plague you. So I would say first and foremost, do the things that we talked about before to make sure that your heart doesn't get to a place where it's starting to turn inward and you're starting to grumble and to complain and then starting to you know like I said, um, and just your attitude towards toward towards people uh, and then everything else. And so you know again, um, I keep going back to. You know, what you do, what you should do in order to stay out of that. But you ask the question, what are some mm-hmm. things you don't do? So number one, pay attention to the attitude of your heart and what direction it, it's going. Uh, I think also um, it's not super spiritual, although I, I do think it falls under the, the realm of a good stewardship. Um, take care of your body. You know, be careful of the, the foods that you're putting in your body, the nutrients that you're getting, the exercise that you're getting, the, the amount of uh, sunlight and fresh air that you uh, are, are getting. I find myself, my mood swings significantly based on how I eat, how much exercise I get. I think I just, it, it's not the magic bullet, but I do find that it finds it easier to be more Christ-like mm-hmm. when I'm being a good steward uh, of my body. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, be careful of busyness too, particularly with guys. We may find ourselves just diving into something, whether it be work, whether it be a hobby, whether it be a something. Um, those things, again, do a good job at work. Work hardly as unto the Lord. Enjoy hobbies and that type thing. But pay very close attention to the motivation of your heart for why you are leaning into those areas so much more. Is it because you're just trying to enjoy this thing uh, as a blessing of God, as a, a point of relief and joy in the midst of a difficult time, or just trying to do a good job? Or, or are you trying to escape, uh, run away from, to dull or to soothe or just to distract yourself from some difficult things, and then again on a more of a a, uh, a more negative note, um, you know, substance abuse in any type of ways, taper, mm-hmm. shape, or form uh, that, mm-hmm. that that may come up. Uh, marriages are very volatile during this time too. It can be very hard for husbands to love their wives as Christ loves the church, and for wives to submit to the husbands as unto the Lord. In that beautiful. Uh, complementary picture of both parties making disciples out of each other when as individuals we're hurting and we have questions and uh, it's just difficult and so oftentimes people retreat away from their spouse or use their spouse as a punching bag or not literal punching bag uh, but just they will they will um they will verbally unload, they will emotionally unload in a not healthy, not sacrificial, not Christ-like way on their spouses. And marriages um, can oftentimes suffer during this time when it should be a thing where husband and wives run to each other and then run towards the Lord to each other. They end up running away from each other as independent individuals. And again, it's that individualism that you're that you're paying attention to, mm-hmm. um, or they just they just um, 
use their spouse in a way that was just uh, unintended. Um, you know, they're feeling emotions, and so they're short-tempered, and so they yell, they snap, they they they're sh- they're they throw things, they they they, they do whatever. So you got to mm-hmm. be careful. Um, you know, d- during that time as well, be be mindful of your marriage when you're going through grief and sorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me. Can I just say? I was just going to say the verse that we've, Pastor Ashton, you've, you've referenced a few times, which is Second uh, Corinthians ten five. We talked about having fighting verses, and I think this would mm-hmm. be a good one for folks to to have. It says, "We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey Christ." Mm-hmm. And I think it's that last section there that we're mm-hmm. that we're latching on to that to take every thought captive to obey Christ. So I just mm-hmm. wanted guys to go to have that mm-hmm. reference. Um, <clears throat> I know, like I said, somebody showed up late this morning, so uh, I don't want to uh, keep both of you guys longer than you were intending to be here. But one thing that uh, I guess you just give me the high sign whenever either of you have to go, and we can wrap this up. But, we're good. Let's roll. Uh, okay. Uh, one thing that I I wanted to address. Um, you mentioned, I think, accountability, and you mentioned community, but I know something that you know. I don't. I don't know if every guy, probably every guy listening to this, isn't gonna uh, struggle this way. But you know, for me, and I think Gabe had mentioned it uh, in the times we've talked about uh, he and his wife's relationship, accountability with your wife, uh, just maintaining that relationship with your wife is such a hard thing to do. Like you said, when you're feeling all this pain in your mind and your heart. It's different from the the pain and the grief that your wife's going through, and stereotypically, you can feel like you know, my wife is struggling with this more than I am, or she can't get over this initial pain, and I've gotten over it, and I'm dealing with something different, and it's so hard to come together and have like a, like you said that God honor relationship. So, what's the importance of accountability with your wife and being on the same page with your wife? And I guess you can also touch into accountability with a friend if there are things you're not feel comfortable, you don't feel comfortable discussing with your wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, probably, I think biblically we have a precedent to say that husbands need to make sure they are taking the role of spiritual leader uh, in their home during during something like this. It doesn't mean you step in and you make all the decisions and that that type of thing. That's that's not the picture of what it means to lead your home spiritually. Um, at, at all, but I do think it, it is the uh, is, is that posture that you take on that also Christ just has that says I'm not just going to take care of myself and do my own spiritual safe self maintenance, but I'm going to be others focused as well, and that a key others is is my spouse, uh, particularly my my wife. That's our context for you know our, our podcast is mm-hmm. as dads, as dudes, as husbands, um, and to. Um, Know that we don't think about things, we don't process things the same way that a, that, a, that a female does, and just acknowledge that. You don't have to understand your wife and everything that she is going through and all of its intricate details. Um, that's not necessarily um, you, your role, but your role is to seek to understand. Uh, your role is to be patient. Your role is to meet practical needs. Your role is to point her towards Christ in the midst of that. And you have to be... I think tactful in that, you know, swooping in one day and having this very extravagant, you know, reading plan and come home from the Christian bookstore yeah. or tearing up Amazon with five different books that y'all are going to read together. You know, I appreciate the enthusiasm in that, but that might not always be the first best step uh, in order to, to do that. But I think 
getting to a place where you can have real honest dialogue with your wife. How are you doing? What are you thinking about? What does your mind gravitate towards? How, how, what role is the Lord playing in the midst of all of this? Are you struggling with him? Are you mad at him? Are you running towards him? Is he kind of neutral? Or are you just mad at God? And again, just seeking to understand and be quiet and listen. Guys are such in a fix-it kind of mindset. That's what we're good at doing. I think that's just how we're, we're wired. God mm-hmm. is, a, is, a, is, a, is a fixer. He gets things done. If there are problems, he's a problem solver. I think that's part of how God created us, created in his image. Um, and sometimes our wives do us need, to, need us to just come in and just fix something or take care of mm-hmm. something. And oftentimes they just need to, us just to be with mm-hmm. them. You know, um, sometimes we just need God just to be with us, sit with us in, in, in our sorrow or just be a listening ear. And so, you know, sometimes it's hard for guys to know, you know, do you want me to fix it? Do you want me to live? I think I don't think it's bad just to ask that question. Sweetie, I, I, you are you are so precious to me and, and I want to do a good job during this time. What do you need during this moment? Do you just want to talk? Do you want me to listen? Do you want me to do something with this? Do you want me to fix it? What can I take care of? What do you what do you need? Sometimes I'll tell you exactly what they need. Oftentimes it's a, I don't know what, what I need. And so just be led by the spirit to take care of and do what you can, uh, in that moment with a probably more of a bent towards, she probably just wants to be understood and be heard and be taken care of. Not so much fix something, mm-hmm. uh, in, in that. Mm-hmm. And again, just pointing them towards, uh, towards Christ, um, in a very real, um, in a very natural way, um, again, I, I was being um, a little sarcastic, but not sarcastic when I said, um, you know, kind of go from zero to 60 spiritually with your spouse during that time. Again, I appreciate the enthusiasm, um, but, you know, little things like beginning to, to pray together or have more spiritual, uh, more spiritual conversations or y'all having and choosing some, some go-to verses when it comes together and uh, in a very loving way, holding each other, you know, accountable to that. Um, watching each other's back and making sure that they have that community uh, around mm-hmm. them, that there is no isolationism that's going on that just says, I'm not returning phone calls, I'm not returning texts, I don't want to meet my friend for, for coffee, I don't really feel like going to, going to church, I find it annoying to be around my small group. But just mm-hmm. watching kind of that, that inward isolation focus, mm-hmm. um, uh, guys are susceptible to that too, but as we're caring for our wives, um, you know, being, being careful about that as well. Mm-hmm. Also, just watching the busyness, you know, what is she just really leaning into, um, maybe more so than should be, that is not just doing a good job of being responsible, but really kind of looks more like she's trying to distract or um, cover up, you know, dealing with what's going on mm-hmm. um, in, in, inside of them. But just having that posture of, I want to be very selfless to my wife and prioritize her and prioritize her needs and her spiritual walk, if that's the posture of your heart, I don't think you're going to go real wrong. Like I just, you know, you might not get it exactly right. Probably your spouse is going to be, you know, gracious and kind if, you know, you're trying to do one thing, but she really needed you to do another. But your overall spirit is you are a priority. I am I'm prioritizing you and and I'm here for uh, for you and then just 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 be patient it is a process it's not something you're called to to get over I, I hate that wording you, know, you need to get over it or whatever I think it's something more you get through um, you know secular psychology has done uh, a good job of observing grief they have uh, kind of put it through the stages uh, of grief that's a fine observation I don't throw stones at, at that uh, I don't put too too much credence in that because I don't think anybody's path 
through grief uh, is exactly the same, even though they would probably say the typical pattern tends to be these five or six steps. That's a fine observation, take it for what it is, but if you don't match that, then it, you're not broken, nothing's wrong with you. Uh, but it is a process, it takes time. It may be shorter for some, uh, longer for others. And so um, I think as, as, as husbands, we just have to be an extension of God's grace and mercy in that situation and prioritize them and their spiritual needs and their physical needs during during this time. And I'll say that goes right back to what you said earlier where you were saying, you know, don't just be the recipient of the casseroles, the phone calls, the letters, the emails, whatever, but then also give that back. Mm. And, and that's what you're saying right here is that by being a servant to your wife, by looking out for her needs, that that will inevitably help you heal as well. Absolutely. You know, and not only that, obviously help your marriage and help mm-hmm. her get through it, which again, if, if we are to love her as Christ loved the church, what he do? He laid down his life for the church. So it's not that we're looking to be the one who's receiving all the healing. It's let's look out for her and help her get through this. And in doing so, that will in turn help me out. And and the, the thing that you said a couple of times was the seek first to understand, then to be understood. Mm-hmm. And that immediately I was thinking Stephen Covey, you know, mm-hmm. seven habits of highly affected people. And that's one of the points right there. But man, what a great, great, you know, thing for us to be remembering, not only in this circumstance, but in any circumstance mm-hmm. that we fa- uh, face. Mm-hmm. And so where we're, where we're working with or relating with somebody else. Mm-hmm. And so thank you for mentioning that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we got about 10 minutes left here. Um, several different topics we could could jump into maybe with our last topic but um, I think we've addressed several of the common things I guess or at least the things that were, were common and, and Gabe and I experienced um, one thing I guess that may I guess isn't isn't uh, necessarily limited to men but um, you know Gabe and I have both mentioned people that have come up and have said something to us that they meant as comforting and wasn't really comforting at all. Um, I don't know. Gabe shared in earlier episodes that uh, an, an old sweet woman may have come up to him and possibly compared the loss of his girls to a loss of her dog. Um, and now he wanted to smack that old lady. Um, I've heard, I've choke her, man. I want to choke her. Uh, choke her. No hands involved, just arms. Sorry. Right. Sorry, I didn't mean to impugn your dignity. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. But um, you just know, kidding. What, not uh, on ladies. Yeah, <laughs> disclaimer. Not in the grocery store, Liam. <laughs> Too many witnesses. Uh, yeah. So, can you share just a little bit of advice there? Is like you know, I've had people share with me like you know maybe God needed another angel up there or like little cultural platitudes that we hear that are intended to be helpful and they're not. And how can you quickly and easily deal with? The, maybe the anger or frustration that will arise from that and what mindset do you need to have when you hear these mm-hmm. unhelpful platitudes mm-hmm. yeah I think it's important to note um, that your ability to respond to people during that time is probably going to have a direct correlation to the degree with which you are leaning on the Lord walking with the Lord mm-hmm. and even in your grief having that place of humility and an others focused um, those, those types of things uh, and in that, it will give you the ability to be gracious and kind um, and understanding to other people. Um, this is one of those things when something big happens in somebody's life, like the loss of a, of a child or an infant, that 
there's not training universally that goes on in, in society. This is exactly what you do here, are the right words to say here, are the wrong words to say, that, that type of thing. So it's really left up to the individual of how much exposure to this they have had and have kind of figured out what, what, what is appropriate, what is appropriate, what is helpful, what is not helpful, and then just what seems right or sympathetic or kind in their own mind. And so more often than not, you're not going to find somebody who's going to find you the parking lot or at your place of work or in the grocery store and you're just going to say something cruel or mean or malice. Like That's just probably not the common experience. What you guys did say uh, is that people can say some kind of just odd, off the wall, like, why would you say that? Or how did you come to that comparison kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, that's when your spiritual maturity, your walk with the Lord, your others focused, your die to self is going to give you um, the ability, that supernatural ability to love the unlovable, to love the difficult person, to love the did you really hear what you just said kind of person in front of you? And I think just be gracious and kind. Thank you. Thank, you know, I, I understand that, that type of thing, you know, just um, graciously receive it. Uh, know that exactly what they said may not have been helpful or may not have necessarily been kind, maybe not necessarily respectful, but their motivation was not from a place of hurt or harm or, or malice. They, in their mind, are see you maybe spontaneous and like oh gosh i gotta say something spiritual say something kind because mm-hmm. i see such and such in front of me and they grab something and they throw it out there their intention mm-hmm. is to is to do good is to say something to you to encourage you or to relate with you or be sympathetic to you so recognize that for for what it is and just be kind in in your feedback to them and your receiving uh of that um, the same way that our Heavenly Father is very gracious and kind with us. I mean, how many times do, in my mind, do I think that God does the eye roll with Ashton? Like, oh my gosh, you're a pastor. You're a counselor. You're still struggling with this. You still did that dumb thing at home. You said that to Tracy. You said that to Bailey Tucker Blake. Like, oh my gosh. So if we're the recipient of so much grace, love, and mercy in second, third, fourth, fifth, hundredth chances, mm-hmm. that even in the midst of our grief, let's... Let's be Christ-like and let's model Christ even when people say things that, you know, we wonder why in the world did you say those kinds of things uh, to, to, to us. Um, really, the, the opposite, if you don't do that, um, kind of my mind goes into two things. It's kind of an argument for why Christ-likeness and doing it God's way really does work. Do, do you really, right there in the middle of the, you know, grocery aisle by the produce, you know, want to get into some, like, argument or get defensive or te- you know that that's 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 not nobody wants to be there you know with somebody mm-hmm. nor do you want to necessarily let that comment grab hold of your heart let it take root and then it just stir just anger or frustration or bitterness or just take you off i mean the situation is difficult enough as it is you don't need to add one more layer of complexity or one more mm-hmm. thing to emotionally have to process and deal with so just I'm not saying let go and let God, but just be Christ-like in your response to that. Be gracious, be forgiving, let it go, recognize that it comes from a, a place of, of wanting to help. And, um, you know, if, it, if it's sitting in you, if it ticks you off, then that's something that you and God can do business together with. Mm-hmm. I know, uh, coming up on the end here, uh, last thing I wanted to do was, I know you had told us about the biblical counseling ministry before we started and got into these questions. I just wanted to give you a few minutes to plug that ministry, maybe tell us just a quick, these are things we can help you with, how do we get someone involved with your ministry, and 
you know, anything else that you want to say, just in case there's someone listening to this podcast that doesn't need help with something? Yeah, so um, we are still a growing ministry. Uh, we are about 25, 26, 27 counselors strong. Uh, the vast majority of them are uh, are church members, uh, lay leaders, uh, who can take on a handful of cases, but these aren't full-time employees. So we do have a certain amount of, uh, of, of bandwidth that we can do, and like I said before, we're a little bit close to, to our capacity. Um, these are these are difficult days and there are lots of people coming to us. It is my desire that one day we're able to offer uh, our biblical counseling to the community, but we're not quite there yet. So as it sits right this second, this is something that we're able to offer uh, to Church at the Mill regular attendees and then um, members. Um, what we didn't want to do is have a really big dream and, uh, and a big promise and then really, really, really under-deliver. And many counseling ministries, they start, have had great intentions, but then have really fumbled in a big way uh, by biting off more than they can chew. So we are starting kind of humbly and kind of slowly and saying we're going to take care of this body of Christ. Um, and then as we continue to grow, as we get better at it, as we work out all of our process and procedures and legal things, then... Uh, it is my desire to be able to open this up to the community as a, as a wonderful evangelism arm and then just to get the truth of God's word into people's lives when they're, uh, when they're suffering. One thing that I, that I do want to mention, um, and I'll try not to get on my, my rant here, um, but I, I strongly believe that as believers we have been called to counsel. Um, it's one of those things that it's not something that a select few are called to do. It is not something that you have to have degrees and letters after your name in, 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 in order to do. Uh, we have been stewarded with the truth of God's word. He's been given it to us. Um, he has called the body of Christ to come together and to use the word of God uh, towards each other and on each other. And so to think that, you know, when issues come up in our lives, that all people within the church um, not just a select few are, are chosen to do that. It just doesn't square with what Scripture uh, has has called us to, to do. Certainly, I think there's a spiritual gift of a counselor, and people can can sharpen that particular skill. But we're all going to run up into those instances where somebody says, "Hey, can we talk?" or "I'm going through a difficult time," or that type of thing. And that kind of conversation, I think, I think is is counseling. It is discipleship. It might not be formal. Uh, but but it is it is a form of counseling, and so one of the things that uh, we get an opportunity to do in our ministry is to train other people how to do that. People who are going to go on and be certified counselors and do this as a major part of their serving within the church or professionally uh, choose to do that, or whether it's more of a, I don't know if I'm going to do it formally, but I sure sure do want to be more equipped um, as as a leader of a disciple maker when when these issues come up. Um, as we've partnered with uh, the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, that ACBC group, we're actually hosting uh, their regional training uh, in the months of uh, March, April, and May. So it's three weekends. It's not one of those deals where you choose one of those weekends, but it's three weekends of training where you can come to church at the mill and you can uh, you can receive uh, 30 hours of biblical uh, training that will be part of your overall certification. I anticipate people coming to that and hearing uh, a couple different things. Probably first category is going to be, um, you know, what is biblical counseling? How is that similar or different to, um, you know, secular psychology and other philosophies of, of care for people? Uh, probably another major category is how do you actually counsel somebody? Like, what, what do you do with them? Are there kind of steps or stages that you go through so you'll learn actually how to counsel? And then you'll get a, a, a good understanding of kind of God's word and God's understanding about different issues in life. 
uh, about whether it's related to, to marriage, as it relates to, uh, to raising kids, as it relates to anxiety, uh, depression, suicide, self-harm, you know, all these other types of things. God's word is not silent uh, on these things, not by a long shot. And so um, this is uh, some wonderful training that we, uh, we've been able to have a, the awesome opportunity to partner with ACBC to be able to, um, to do that. So uh, I would love, if any of your listeners are thinking, man, I would love to be able to sharpen my skills when somebody says, hey, can we talk? Or if I'm drinking coffee with somebody, um, to be able to join us for that training and, uh, and be a part of that. Cool. Thank you for your time, man. Yeah, yeah thank you so much, Pastor Ashton and Will. And thank you guys for joining us today. Um, Pastor Ashton, we, we only got through maybe a quarter of the questions that we had. So mm. hopefully uh, you would be willing in, in a couple of months from now perhaps when your schedule opens back up let us have you back on and go through some more of these questions if you're if you're cool with that I'd, yep all right sounds great so absolutely i'm like the lady standing in front of you at the exit mm-hmm. row on the airplane like i need a verbal response and you gave say. me one so I now, now we've got that recorded yeah it's we'll a great way you, back. you this did it fun. on the podcast it. yeah that's right good so idea again. Gabe. good idea thank you so much and make sure all you guys or ladies out there follow us uh, on facebook instagram and twitter look for lost boys to found fathers you can also check out my book on amazon it's called thy will be done put a question mark at the end of that and my name is gabriel o'sullivan Again, thank you all so much for joining us today. Let's not be lost. Let's be found in him.